episode of the Wrinkle Gravit Podcast. As always, I'm Bill Borowski. I'm Edward Rebel. I'm Jason Snyder. I'm Drew Erler. And this week we got a special guest. It's a first time guest. It's James Pe- James Peel. And it's a pick of his. It's Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie. And we got six degrees of separation right off the top. So I'm just going to drop it like it's hot right there. That was disgusting. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm sleep. I really <laughs> like that, actually. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll stick to it then. Um, <laughs> but last week's movie was Nightmare Alley, which starred or featured two performers, Mary C. Burgeon and Richard Jenkins, who play the parents in Step Brothers. And one of the uh, title characters in Step Brothers is John C. Riley, who plays the, the legendary Taquito in this week's movie. Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie. James, why did you pick Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie for us to talk about today? Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've i just... Uh, when I first saw it, it was, like, the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, and I just really liked Tim and Eric and their sense of humor. But, yeah, I, like, I think this was a 2010 movie, and I didn't even know that it was made until, like... Or actually, I think it was 2012. 2012 yeah and i didn't know it was made until like a few years after it had already come out so it wasn't as good as i remembered it being but it still cracks me up with uh like will forte and uh and taquito yeah or uh what's what's will forte's character alan bishopman (laughs) there's just a bunch of ridiculous shit that happens uh, and the the opening scene is hilarious to me. The Johnny Depp impersonator. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just thought it would make yeah. a good conversation piece. Uh, yeah, I mean, I knew among this kind of group of people, Tim and Eric was a big thing. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Tim and Eric. I definitely haven't seen all of their stuff. But from what I've seen, I really enjoy of, uh, from them. So I was kind of... It, I, I didn't know what this would even look like. I've heard like th- lines about this being thrown about, but I was like, I'm going into this completely blind. I don't know what it's about. And it basically felt like a hour and a half long sketch of the show, uh, <laughs> which is probably the point. But if you like Tim and Eric, you'll enjoy the movie. If you don't like Tim and Eric, you will hate this movie. But I personally enjoy Tim and Eric, and I'm pretty sure everyone else here does. So... It was, it was definitely a fun watch. Yeah, the amount of talented people involved in it, too, is what caught me off guard. Because, like, obviously there's Tim and Eric, but then there's John C. Riley, Jeff Goldblum. Robert um, Loja. Will Ferrell, yeah. Uh, Will Forte, as you mentioned. Um, and then, like, Adam McKay produced it. So that really Mark surprised Cuban. me. It was just... What? Oh, yeah, Wait, really? Mark <laughs> he... I don't even remember that. He's a producer and an actor. In it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, he's in it. Who is no, he? No, wait. He plays himself, apparently. Actually, I think he he is. I don't he plays, uh, he plays one of the homeless people that are squatting in the mall. Oh my god! <laughs> no way. <laughs> wait, I need to. Wait, he's listed as himself. That means they cast him to play a homeless version of Mark Cuban. Probably <laughs> <laughs> did. That's the thing about Tim and Eric to me is they've always they've always felt like the comedians comedian or like the ones that inspire a bunch of like a-listers 
like they're the gurus to them um even though their their particular brand of comedy isn't very public facing like i don't think they're they're very like, like a super acquired taste but for whatever reason they attract like so many very famous comedians and very famous people who just like love them and everything they do i still think tim heidecker at least who to me seems like he's like kind of where most of the comedy comes from he, i think he's a genius like even with his acting that he's done um in like the comedy and in Cuso and in uh the comedian i think he was also in he's like good and like his comedy carries even when he's not trying to be funny oh and mr america as well there's like so much yeah i i still remember when i first saw us in theaters and i'm like is that fucking tim yeah. heidecker it's in that too <laughs> we didn't even uh mention zach galifianakis as jim joe or jim bob yeah, jim or joe kelly the right. their spiritual guru i love that when he disappears he does that little like flutter thing and then his spirit goes into a plane on a tv screen and he's like stuck in the yeah. ethereal world <laughs> The last thing I expected this to be was the majority of it being Tim and Eric basically renovating a mall. Like I was <laughs> expecting something like, "Oh, they're gonna." The whole thing is them to going to make their movie, and it's gonna be the process of making their movie. But no, as soon as it starts, it's like, "Oh, this is the okay," and it's all about them running away from fucking Robert Loja, who cracks me up so hard as uh, the Schwam uh ceo like any anytime they cut back to them i was like cackling because of how just dialed up he was where his, his voice was just so gravelly to the point he was just yelling in every single scene well and <laughs> with, talking about the scenes where they would cut back to the schlang people like trying to track down tim and eric um I loved how a bunch they like they like cut back to them and they kidnapped both their mothers and were like <laughs> mercilessly torturing them. And they're like, um, I love I can't remember the actress's name. She's been in a bunch of John Waters movies, but she's like, I wish I could tell you, but I don't know. <laughs> and then they, they like cut her fingers off. And then they cut back to Tim and Eric and like a bunch of time passes and they cut back again and they're still torturing <laughs> their moms. <laughs> like it's been days. Um, yeah. It's really funny. Like they haven't gotten anything out of it and they still are trying. And <laughs> you know what? It also took me until the very end to notice that the, I don't know if they had like really plastered the logo anywhere before when the cars pulled up it was obvious that the s was also like a swastika kind of thing yeah. so it was just what all the never like, noticed the schlang that. logo is clearly like if you go back and look at it it's clearly supposed to be like a modern looking swastika in my opinion yeah yeah just like the overall like cartoonization oh of the villains was so freaking funny and so like it's obviously well, like just the cartoonization of just everything reality in general like <laughs> yeah. ray weiss who is probably my favorite part in this entire movie is the uh shrimp the the shrimp leader having his children defecate on eric <laughs> we're on him. so uh the things that were going through my head during that scene particularly is 
Well, and this is just like a general thought whenever I see child actors in Tim and Eric stuff is like what it's like to be a child on set. Like sometimes they'll cut it up so like the kid doesn't know like the adult things that are happening in a scene. But I can't see how they could not tell the kids like and then like your characters are pooping like diarrhea all over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, with with Tim and Eric, I don't think you can really get around that. It's just like, all right, kids, you're uh, you're shitting on me today. No, just let it rain. But um, also, I don't think I'd ever seen this movie all the way through, because whenever you and I watched it, James, I we would just like skip around to the best parts. Like the, I remember the part where they go on their bender. Um, we always watch the shrimp part. We always watch, um, uh, maybe we watched it all the way through once, but I really like, I couldn't remember. <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know, watching it like this must've been like my fifth or sixth time watching it at least. And <laughs> it was, I don't know. It's just like a very like loosely tied together story. It seemed to me. Like, I don't know, they're just, like, they spend so much time just, like, figuring out, like, what they're doing. <laughs> they're just, like, it seems like they're standing around, like, with the tequiter and shit and, like, <laughs> worrying about, like, the balloon lady that, that Eric is in love with <laughs> and, like, all this, like, side shit. Yeah, I don't know. It's, like, easy to forget. That's amazing. That's That's what I found interesting, too, was what they chose to focus on really with the story i figured that when they introduced the whole who was which one was it that stole the son of the used toilet paper tim. man yeah tim <laughs> stole the son and i thought that there would be some sort of redemption story where the dad <laughs> like gets his son back and there kind of is a, like a redemption there but it was in no way like the dad had just given up his son and like that wasn't even a discussion at that point it was just like, I'm going to sacrifice myself for the mall in the end. Um, it's always interesting to but, think about, like, why, when you're laughing at a Tim and Eric thing, like, why you're laughing. Like, get to the core of why it's funny. And for me, it always comes down to, like, their absolute, like, confidence in themselves and, like, how nar not narcissistic, but, like, they have this like machismo where they like want to dominate everyone else, but it's like so misplaced and yet it still like works for them. Um, so I love how like blind faced it is when Tim's like, you're going to be my son now and I'm going to show you what it's like to be a real man, a real success. Like right from, and he just takes it's it and like accepts his lot in life yeah it's, so it's kind of the same thing with why i think tim robinson is so funny just the pure straight like as how even with the most absurd stuff they're playing it completely straight as if mm -hmm. it's like a serious oscar like drama or something it's like no this is like this is real shit and also when you you it, it's always funny when the idiots don't realize that that they're the dumbest people in the room and act like they're the smartest people in the room that's just the... that's always gonna be funny the perfect symbol of that is when they do their Dobis presentation and they've got their microphone like stands <laughs> and then Tim goes, and oh, we're going to get that billion. 
<laughs> like leans over and whispers. It's like so funny. It's so and funny. even even when they go to Weems' <laughs> office, uh, where he's clearly like, "You want to watch Top Gun? Want want to watch it again?" And they're like, "Sure, great film, great film, <laughs> great fight sequences." And like the thing here is that everyone is also everyone in this universe is bought into their stupidity like katie is genuinely trying to impress him with the balloons and like show how she deserves her place in the mall yeah just the fact they managed to create this universe where like you said they're complete idiots and they have the confidence and then it like takes everyone else along for the ride with them is just so funny (laughs) well what makes that even funnier is like for uh with katie for example when she was watching the presentation her face was like horrified she she did not look like she was enjoying it. But then when they come up to her and ask her about like, oh, did you see our presentation or whatever? She was like, yeah, I was there. It was fantastic. I loved it. And there are so many moments where characters right. look like they're <laughs> hating their lives. But then they're like, oh, no, we're on your team. This is like we're all for it. Go you. Go us. <laughs> uh, on the topic of them also being like very almost like successfully full of themselves. Right off the bat, with all like the credits and title logos, we you get like seven schlang logos before you get into the movie, and they're they're set up to be like like pre movie credits, like you would go to a movie theater and see them, um, but they're of course a fake corporation being supported by none other than Chef Goldblum, and <laughs> but then uh, after after you see their movie. Uh, bonjour diamond gym or whatever the credits roll and it's like producers tim and eric uh written by tim and eric directed by tim and eric and it's just their names over and over and over again they're they're even craft services provided by them as well what i love about that in particular is the when it comes to the directing credit it just stays up for way too long (laughs) where basically it goes on for like a minute it's on uh, I never know. Just slowly that. fades away, <laughs> and like right off the bat, with them without them even being on screen, you're just like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, I know these guys. You know, I just watched a movie uh, the other day. I watched Spencer, and it had like an absurd amount of like those funding company like logos before the movie started. It was like more than I'd ever seen. Um, and I always, my, what I always thought while watching this movie is that they should have like really leaned into it and done like a minute or more of like, I thought that would have been really funny because I always think about that when I'm watching a movie, especially like an independent movie is just how many of those there are. Um, and it's also funny to imagine anyone who like didn't really know anything about Tim and Eric, like going to see this in theaters, like the old people at Ogden six who go to see um, this. I want to, I don't know if anyone has read Roger Ebert's review of this. It is hysterical. <laughs> if we want to save it for the letterbox <laughs> review, Roger Ebert's review of Let's this is that. just gold. Yeah, it's a good idea. I'll, I'll grab it. But yeah, I can't even imagine being like, I don't know, a 60 year old, married couple walking into theaters like oh it's a funny funny picture let's let's go see the tim and eric and then you like 
this is what you sit down and watch. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine the walkouts that happen during those. When yeah. they get to the shrim scene. <laughs> if they, they even make it to the shrim scene. Far. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that they would get that far. What's the major, like, film, independent film festival? Sundance. Sundance. Yeah. Apparently, when they showed this at Sundance, like, half the theater walked out. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) That's, I always wait for that every year. Like, what the walkout movie of the, either because it's gross, well, mostly because it's gross, or, like, too scary, or whatever. I always look for Usually those. the festival where there are walkouts and booze is can though. Sundance isn't really known for the no, mass walkout No, Sundance stuff. usually has like a, this movie was like Kuso was one where it was like, this is too gross. We're going to leave. Raw was another where there were like people were throwing up. Oh yeah, the throwing theater. up the tears. Yeah. Uh, and then like, I guess Tim and Eric is one as well. I That's my favorite like guerrilla marketing selling point is like this movie's so disgusting you're gonna throw up like you have to watch it uh i just want to shout out to alan bishopman again because i just keep thinking about him and i love the scene yeah. where he's on the phone and he's like the guy's like comes up to him he's like can't you see i'm on the fucking phone <laughs> Even when he like he finally starts to help Tim and Eric, Eric just takes a knife and slits his throat. He's like, "That's for betraying us. That's for betraying us, Alan." Yeah, no, th- this movie just kind of feels like a shit post where it's like they got the funds to make something, and the, at no point during this they're like, "We we just gotta make almost like a meme of a movie." Just no no regard to any kind of seriousness or plot or any kind of filmmaking quality let's just like make the weirdest thing we possibly can and i respect them i respect the hell out of them for doing that yeah they're fucking geniuses at like squeezing in as many jokes as possible um and because of that they end up making like a lot of almost what are like meta jokes specifically i mean the uh the impersonator thing I was watching uh, the Johnny Depp impersonator, and I was like, is that? No. I'm going to rewind. Is that Johnny Depp? It's not. But then I love at the end, they uh, they throw in a Steven Spielberg impersonator, but they call him Steven Spielberg. And so they have two impersonators, but they're acknowledging that one is an impersonator and saying that the other one is Steven Spielberg promoting their movie. They they just like have so many little tiny details that they squeeze in there that make it even funnier. <laughs> so it's almost like they're trying to pull something on the audience and it gets revealed like what their con was, not getting Johnny Depp, but then calling him Johnny Depp. And then they try to pull the same con again, even though they know that you'll know that they'll know that you'll know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the line that Steven Spielberg says? He says, "This is the greatest movie ever made." No, but the full line is is funny. Oh, the line was, "As Steven Spielberg, I approve of this movie, and let me say this is the greatest movie of all time." <laughs> uh, he should have just started with the greatest movie of all time part cuz then like the <laughs> approval is like obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this also kind of um in terms of bill you mentioned how like it had no regard for plot in some ways it kind of reminded me of 
dead don't don't die in that way because both of these in a way um seem to intentionally like lose the plot at points um we talked about with dead don't die but in this i thought it was hysterical how in that end scene uh eric had gotten the diamond the giant diamond for katie oh and she was like oh my god where'd you get this he's like from that store over there there's probably like a billion dollars worth of diamonds in there <laughs> and no no like, doesn't he say he's like i had it from the diamond gym movie he's like oh yeah i got those too i got like a billion dollars worth <laughs> like they oh, had the billion dollars the whole time oh, oh in i misinterpreted that but yeah <laughs> the, the really the real billion dollars are the friends we made along the way that's gonna get that billion like i didn't i gave the movie three stars after i watched it because i didn't really like i was in the same boat as you james where like i remember it being like super funny and then when i rewatched it there were stretches where i'm kind of like waiting for the next funny thing to happen um i think like the time immediately the couple minutes before shrim happens and that whole sequence where Tim and Tim and the woman are in the sex shop and while Eric is getting shrimmed, um, that's like the part where I'm just like waiting. Because I know the shrimp part's coming and the shrimp part and probably the shrimp video are like my favorite parts of the the movie, especially the shrimp video. The shrimp video is like nightmarish. I like couldn't believe how disturbing it was on on a rewatch there's an episode of cowboy bebop where there's like a like some tv commercial broadcast that'll like hypnotize people and trap them in like a virtual reality and the video from cowboy bebop is eerily similar to the the shrimp video in tim and eric it's the same like culty weird like oh come on We'll help you out. Just reach out with your hand and take mine. Like that really weird um, culty vibe. The power within. Yeah. <laughs> it's the other thing I think of. I um, think the shrimp video is like the most, is that's like the closest we get to like Tim and Eric awesome show great job. Because uh-huh. they, they, they finally have an excuse to just cut away to some random like overly saturated like super like weirdly edited video that and then the Uh, intermissions uh. where they reinforce the themes of the Mm, film that's also really funny and then the schlang um uh movie seat the calibrator (laughs) yeah well i love the calibrator I love the stirrups. I love that you need to have an IV insert. I love that. <laughs> it's like classic yeah. Cinco stuff, but it's called Schlang instead. And then they have the guy who, whenever they have him, they just want him to take his dentures out. Like, that's why he's their their man for the job. I love that their, their reason for the stirrups on their chair is to get your legs out of your way. <laughs> They're As like they're in your line your of sight. On the floor. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but to get back to what I was saying, I think like the reason why this movie doesn't work is, I don't know, like it's meant to be watched like chopped up and it's funny to talk about because all the bits are funny, but I don't know if like I could even watch 
Tim and Eric awesome show for an hour and a half straight, just like back to back to back episodes. The only thing that's different is they've got like a through line plot, but like we said, it's so thin that it doesn't really carry the viewer through it. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, from the, the few that I've seen, uh, whenever there's like a YouTube sketch group that is allowed to make a movie or given a budget for a movie, uh, it, it'll always end up being somewhat of a, not really a movie kind of a long form sketch show. And, and they, they'll always try to find a, find a plot to, to sort of run the movie along. But ultimately, it's to offer opportunities for, um, like, mini sketches in between scenes, I suppose. Because yeah. um, I'm also thinking of the uh, the Donald Glover's uh, sketch team from college. Oh, uh, Derek Comedy. Squad. Um, Derek Squad? Comedy. No. Derek Comedy, I think they're called. But yeah, they made, they made a movie called Mystery Team, and it was kind of the same vibe where... They're just looking for sketch opportunities. Yeah. Well, and the plot almost drags it down. Like, I don't know. You think about something like the Jackass movies where there isn't a plot. It's just like a long episode of Jackass minus like Bad Grandpa. Um, But even then, like I remember... My experience watching Bad Grandpa is there's, like, the plot parts, and then there's, like, the sketch parts, um, or, like, the stunt parts, and you just are waiting for the plot part to end so you can get to the the stunt part. Anyway, I think you're right about, like, how it's, like, a sketch show, basically, or Jason and Drew, like, about how it's, like, basically the plot is just there to to tie, like, the sketches together. And, like, that's what, uh, like, Eric Andre did a movie kind of like that recently. Oh, yeah, I Bad, trip. Bad, Bad Trip. Bad Trip. Bad, yeah. That's Bad very trip. Bad Grandpa Jackass-esque. Mm-hmm. I want to, I should watch it. I think it's on, it's on Hulu it's or something. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish wait fucking to, with just, people is the greatest yeah. thing. <laughs> just wait. The best part of that movie is Eric Andre in a monkey pit. And once you get to that scene, you'll understand why. I think it's time for a little segment we like to call. Listen, you little wiseacre. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. And there's nothing you can do about it. And this is the segment where we pick a letterbox review. We read it. It gives us usually a flip side, more negative side of the perspective we're talking about today. And we give our counterpoints of why they should give it another chance or another rewatch. But we're doing a special episode or a special review today because it's our boy Roger Ebert and... It's his review for Tim and Eric's billion-dollar movie. So, Drew, take it away with Mr. Ebert. And, unfortunately, we can't tell him that he should give it a rewatch. That would be very insensitive of us. Uh, Why? Um, <clears throat> the title of the review is A Film Drowning in Its Own Kool-Aid. He gave it a half a star, and he said... <laughs> It's so funny to imagine Roger Ebert sitting down to watch this movie. <laughs> it's like, like he has to give it a serious review. Um, and he says, I feel I've, filled, I've failed Tim and Eric. 
They've gathered a cult following by doing comedy sketches that were deliberately bad, and now they've made a movie that is more of the same for 92 minutes, and it must have taken them a great deal of work to maintain their low standard. By not finding even one moment of Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie to be slightly funny, have I let down the side? Uh, there is a scene in the film where a character is defecated on by several people at the same time, and I don't know. I didn't enjoy it. The purpose of a cult is exclusion. If you're not in the cult, you are by definition lacking some essential quality shared by its members. Those inside the cult can feel privileged, even gifted, by their ability to get it. I was willing to get it. I was sincerely prepared. But at the end of this experience, I concluded there was nothing to be got. The premise is that Tim and Eric have been given a billion dollars to make a movie. This money has come from Tommy Schlang and Earl Swinton, who run the Schlang Corp. The corporation is in violation of Ebert's Law of Funny Names, which teaches us that a name intended to be funny in a movie will almost certainly not be funny. Not everybody can come up with Rufus T. Firefly or Elmer Pretty Willy. And if Tommy Schlang is the best Tim and Eric can do, they shouldn't have tried. <laughs> Tim and Eric blow the fortune by making a short subject. <laughs> to call it a short subject is funny. They made a short <laughs> film for a billion dollars. Um, which they believed starred Johnny Depp. Swinton and Schlang perceive that it is not Johnny Depp, but an imposter. Worse, they fake Johnny Depp. The fake Johnny Depp actually looks a little like Johnny Depp. Even a non-cult member like me knows that it would have been funnier if the Johnny Depp impersonator had been played by John C. Riley. In character as Taquito, one of the most disturbed and disturbing characters I've seen in a while. To address Taquito as snot-nose would not even be an insult, but the simple truth. Taquito is a resident of the Swallow Valley Mall, where Tim and Eric hide out while on the run from the vengeful minions of the Schlangcorp. This mall is a dark and deserted place inhabited by various failed life forms and certain <laughs> actors who in buying into Tim and Eric showed no better judgment than Swinton or Schlang. I can't keep this up. Describing the movie is bringing down the level of my prose. As faithful readers will know, I have a few cult followers who enjoy my reviews of bad movies. These have been collected in the books I hated, hated, hated this movie your movie sucks and a horrible experience of unendurable length this movie is so bad it couldn't even inspire a review worthy of one of those books i have my standards i don't know whoa <laughs> sometimes he's just like old boring old man like when he said I mean, he was like 75 yeah or whatever so when he, he wrote this so he's not really the target audience for tim and eric well and like it's kind of presumptuous to say like it would have been funnier if john c Riley was the i don't know like to say that you're funnier than someone else or like they should have done this and that would have been funny i don't know it's such like a small aesthetic choice in like the larger review where he basically just doesn't like the form of comedy that they're doing. Yeah, you know? and that yeah. it feels like um, whenever someone claims that they can make something better than whoever the artist is, even though they've never 
like been inspired to make art in their life. Like Roger Ebert's not a comedian, never was a comedian. So like, who is he to say what would have been funnier in this? Although we all do it, but I feel like him like doing it in his review where he says this is an unendurable piece of garbage. Yeah. I mean, just in general, like when he doesn't even agree with the concept of it, then you can't be like, oh, well, this small tweak would have made it better. Like <laughs> if you're not bought in, like obviously like he wouldn't have been laughing if that scene was just slightly altered. So did he watch the movie and like not laugh once? He like sat there, must have been like, really stone faced, watching he it. He just groaned, just like offended. Uh... <laughs> but he had to sit through the whole thing. <laughs> like, did he watch the trailer? Did he like know what to expect? I don't know. Well, I just wonder because, like, at that point in his career, did he even like go to public theaters or did he like have a screening room? Where he was like sent movies, in which case uh, it was kind of a mixture of both because he was. Um, this was during the period of his life where he was having major health issues, so it was kind of a mixture depending on his health situation. Yeah, well, it's funny to imagine him alone in his private screening room <laughs> watching the movie, because um, he has like no one around him to like tell him that was funny. Like you should laugh at this. <laughs> Um, he actually has Tim and Eric uh, on either side of him being like, you sh- this was funny. You should have laughed at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I do think he brings up one good point. What was the outcome of the spiritual healing? What, what, like, what was supposed to happen, like, on the other side of that, you know? The shrimp? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I was wondering, he came out of that. (laughs) It sounds like Robert Ebert needs to get trimmed. I'm curious, though, what we think about um, what he says about the whole cult idea. Because when I was in, like, middle school or whatever, and James showed me Tim and Eric, and I thought it was funny, then, like, the funny thing became to, like, show people tim and eric just to gauge what their response to it would be like i thought it was funny to show whoever like spaghetti and like see what they would (laughs) think about spaghetti this thing that exists in the world and like maybe the humor i did get out of that was like i think this is funny and you don't in a way but like now i don't think that's what it that's all there is to tim and eric uh, I think you were hinting at it earlier, Drew. Um, they, they're like the pioneers of absurdist comedy. It's like them and Eric Andre, Tim, Eric, and Eric, all of them. I don't think absurdist comedy is for everyone, um, and some people do it differently. Like there are movies that can exist as a movie and be absurd, um, but a Tim and Eric absurdist movie is this, where it's like so absurd that you can't even latch it back onto reality. It's just, like, way out in the ether. Um, but I do think it's odd that there are so many cult um, comparisons drawn in the movie and in Roger Ebert's review. Uh, it, it was something that kind of, like, went over my head because they have the guru, they have the shrim, um, you have the actual mm-hmm. fact that Tim and Eric are 
almost like a cult kind of comedy. Um, it would be an interesting thing to to like see if they did anything on purpose with that thematically, but I don't know how far well, you could dig with that. I think that like all that stuff is just kind of part of Tim and Eric's like brand and the things that they think are funny. Um, I heard an interview, I read an interview, I think Tim and Heidecker did with vice where he was talking about um, like what he would describe his comedy as he describes it as like failed masculinity that like doesn't know it's failed um, and all the different brands that that takes. So I see something like Shrim and their spiritual guide. And I think of thing like all the self-help stuff that aimless men get into, um, like the Joe Rogans, the Jordan Petersons, the stuff like that. And that's like what it is dialed up like way up. And then like the, the clothes that they wear when they've like quote unquote made it and they're trying to like be stylish, <laughs> like totally tone deaf. And so it's like, it's all part of like a consistent American, I don't know. Yeah. I aesthetic I idea. Yeah. I do think they're very American. And so I'm curious like what kind of fan fandom they have abroad or if they have one. Oh, They're probably yeah. big in Japan. I don't know. <laughs> big in Japan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Tim and Eric definitely have, like, a cult follow following, kind of. So I I'm not surprised that Roger Ebert said that. But also, he sounds like he is just kind of a, sad, like, a bitter old boomer who, like, didn't... Like, how did he not laugh at, like, Tim Tim getting his fucking arm cut off? And like, <laughs> and the Johnny Depp impersonator was a perfect casting choice too. It was def definitely funnier than if it was John C. Riley. Well, it's just like yeah, it's a cult following, cult movie. Like that word gets tossed around and it has a specific meaning. But he tries to say like specifically the Tim and Eric cult is we think we're ascended beings and we frown upon those who, you know have forsaken their lords, Tim and Eric. Very satisfied with himself in that review. I imagine he like yeah. typed it and he was like, hmm, proud to turn this one in or whatever. <laughs> uh, earlier, Drew, you brought up their like, their like hip stylish looks that they had at the very beginning. And I had a question because I couldn't figure this out for myself. I swear it was, but I need to ask. Tim or uh, Eric Eric Warheim's uh, goatee was it pierced? Did he pierce his his goatee? Yeah, I what? swear to God, he had a <laughs> piercing in the middle of his goatee. <laughs> Quick side note: I uh, actually dressed up as Tim Heidecker for in his uh, in the outfit and appearance that he has at the beginning of the movie. That was my. Oh, you Halloween did? costume. <laughs> I remember that, and I'll never forget. You went up to a door where we like knocked on the door, um, and we were like trick or treat. And then we all went around and, like said who we were. And then James said, "I'm Tim Heidecker," and the guy said, "No, I mean who you're dressed up as." <laughs> like he thought James <laughs> just said his name, and James was like, "No, Tim Heidecker from 
this movie and i was like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) it never once went over well it's really hilarious (laughs) yeah there was nobody that i don't think any of the houses we went to knew who i was uh but are we set for final thoughts yeah i think so think so all right this is a movie that like is in the sort of same like area of my childhood where like james and i watched netflix on his wii in the basement and we would like find the weird usually it was like when they had porn on netflix and so we'd like look for that (laughs) but um like what was that movie called with the corn on the cob scene pervert pervert (laughs) yeah (laughs) or like the shark babes movie whatever that one was but we'd like find those and so i remember james showing me tim and eric's billion dollar movie and we like just watched the scenes that were funny um and it always stuck in my head and like it's still it doesn't function as a movie but it's still like as funny each part on its own um when you cut out like the the plot bits um and tim and eric just have this like intangible quality about them where at the end of the day you can't always describe what's funny about what's going on you just know that like everything is fitting together in this certain way that like lights some part of your brain up uh the funny bone part uh and so it's a good pick it was i probably never would have revisited it otherwise honestly other than on like a scene by scene basis um so thank you for picking it this is the first time i had watched it. obviously i've seen a lot of tim and eric uh with you guys and Love all the outlandish humor, uh, and this didn't disappoint in that way. Um, with it being my first watch, I didn't get that same feeling that you guys were describing, where you're just like waiting for the funny scenes to come around. But obviously, um, I can totally see where that's coming from, and it probably in the future will be one that I would just like revisit individual scenes. But I definitely will be doing that just because. Uh, and this is like something that Tim and Eric do in all their sketches, the amount of like memorable characters they manage to pack into this. Um, and it's just hysterical. Um, and yeah, it is one that you have to buy into the tone completely, but obviously you can pretty much know whether you're going to like it or not before you walk into it. Uh, and yeah, it was hilarious. (laughs) I'm glad we watched it. Yeah. I, I'm not one to have really watched Tim and Eric. Uh, I think the only Tim and Eric I've seen is with with you guys. Um, so this was my first lone viewing experience. Uh, and <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, it, it like we said, it isn't really like a like a traditional movie. It's kind of like a long form sketch show. Uh, but definitely worth it if you like tim and eric um definitely worth it if you like any kind of absurdist humor um and yeah like edward said the characters are so memorable Uh, like will ferrell i don't even think we talked about that much his character was (laughs) so hilarious to me just the way he would like 
just like just his movements how like he was unsure about everything but always looked like he was hiding something in his back pocket like just the dishonesty <laughs> the, in his character alone <laughs> the scene specifically where eric is saying all that stuff about top gun and he's like yeah <laughs> like he like doesn't like doesn't think he's right or whatever it was so funny it's like uh-huh <laughs> like uh yeah i i i just uh I liked it. I don't know. I didn't really prepare my final thoughts, but uh, I don't know. I kind of want to just give a few more shout-outs to scenes that I liked. That's um, always good, yeah. The first scene is hilarious, and then after, like, they have to fire uh, Zach Galifianakis, and then they spend, like, ten minutes, like, of him, like, falling into the pool, and then, like, taking him <laughs> out of the pool, and doing cpr and pushing him back in he's drying out <laughs> <laughs> and like all the shots of like i tim and eric just they seem to love to do this where they'll like show like a like a side character with their eyes closed like just like standing near <laughs> whatever's happening i love when they do that it makes me laugh uh and then when when taquito's giving them an apart or his home tour and he's like oh don't look my roommate in the eye and the first thing that eric does is make eye contact with them and he's like get the fuck out <laughs> he's like oh, oh, oh um but yeah i don't know this just has a lot of like i guess like tim and eric fan service you could call it um and it's just a really enjoyable movie so well like yeah i mean we've talked about how you kind of i'm not gonna lie i kind of skipped through this <laughs> i watched it for this because i didn't want to go through all the long like pauses between the sketches another scene that i love is their dobest performance where they're like at the end they're like shouting it at the audience they're like dobest <laughs> god damn it Jason, you watched it by yourself, and I watched it by myself. I guess we all watched it by ourselves. Um, <laughs> and it's one where I was watching it, and I was just like, I wish we were, like, together watching this because it's way funnier to watch it when, like, everyone's there, and then you can talk when it's not boring. Yeah. Or when it is boring. Um, right. And I guess that's what most cult, like, films are. It's just, like... You've got the iconic, like, really awesome scenes, and then you can kind of, like, have fun talking and goofing around when it slows down. But, like, if you're doing a scene-by-scene -scene analysis, you can be like, there's a lot of dragging parts of it. But uh, well said, everyone, as always. And I think, isn't it a new wheel? It's a whole like, new, new batch. batch. Yeah. It's everything. Whole new batch. Um, I hope to God it's not Bill's pick because I really want some mine. instant gratification right now. No, sorry, I'm spinning it again. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> hey, uh, Edward, it's Ooh. your pick. What are we now? Watching? I'm happy. Um, we're watching the Souvenir. This is a 2019 Ooh. movie. Um, I had originally back at the very beginning of the podcast. We were doing the top 10 movies of 2019, and I had it on my list because I was, like, power-watching all these 2019 movies to do that list. Um, and then I didn't end up getting around to watching this one. I finally watched it, like, a few months ago and enjoyed it, and now I'm putting it on to talk about it. 
a little bit more because um, uh, I think because I think other people had it on their top tens. Maybe Bill or Jason or did you? It was me. Yeah. Yeah. I know Bill likes it too. Are we watching part one and part two? Is it just one movie? I would uh, say just the just part one. Because I think yeah, part I two gets into one. a different portion of her um, of her filmmaking career. Um, well, either way, I mean, I'm excited because this is one that like I always sort of thought about watching, but I don't know. You just like are never quite in the mood, so it's good to have a fire lit under it now. Tune in next week for the souvenir. Thanks always to King, King Liam, Liam. for the great intro and outro music. And uh, bye. Have bye.